0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 78 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Hebrews chapter 12 today, and our focus is on how to actually look to Jesus for encouragement. So, this is a daily 10 minute podcast where we dig into God's Word one chapter at a time and try to pull out some great truths to think about throughout the day. Thanks for joining us. I want to encourage you to check out our website, Bible2021.com, and to share the show with friends, and to consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to reach other people and uh, gets as many people as possible into the Word of God, reading together with us, which is kind of fun. Let's open with a comment or two from our friend Og who says, My favorite verse in Hebrews 11 is this one. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. That's Hebrews 11.6 from our episode, oh, three days ago. And Og continues to say Hebrews 11, 1 is great also, and 11.2 and, well, it's just a great chapter. I completely agree, Og, and I feel the same way about Hebrews 12. And one more comment from yesterday's episode from Og as well on David being anointed as the future king of Israel. Og says, many times in the Old Testament, God chose the younger over the elder, the weaker over the stronger. Consider also Jacob rather than Esau, Ephraim rather than Manasseh, and here, David rather than his brothers. In the New Testament, we see the widow's might being preferred over the huge sacrifices of the Pharisees. It's an excellent point also, Og. It reminds me of what Paul said in his introduction to his first letter to the Corinthians, starting in verse 26 of chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong." God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what's viewed as nothing to bring to nothing, what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. Pretty fascinating stuff there. Well, getting to today's chapter, Hebrews 12 is probably the chapter of the Bible that has encouraged and elevated me the most as we've gone through this grueling pandemic. In particular, the first few verses that call us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Before we consider how in the world something like that can be possible, I would like to tackle one other section of this wonderful passage. Consider verse 16. Make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. That's a strange warning, isn't it? Especially to people in a modern age. I, I imagine you've never been tempted to sell your birthright, right? I suspect even in Jesus' age, in the first century, that birthright blessings weren't as big of a deal as they were in Jacob and Esau's time. So why is the writer of Hebrews warning us about this, and what application does it have to modern times, 2021 and beyond? Well, it hit me recently as I was listening to this passage on my Audible app, That Esau's sin was that he exchanged a small and fleeting moment of pleasure, you know, eating a bowl of soup when he's hungry, for a lifetime of the blessings of a firstborn's birthright. Esau gave up something of incredible value for the pleasures of less than an hour. And you might say, well, I would never do anything dumb like that, but friends, that kind of thing happens all the time. How can we commit the sin of Esau today? Well, Every man or woman who chooses to have an affair, cheating on their spouse for a few moments of pleasure, or chooses to steal or swindle for a few extra dollars, or gives into pornography, something along those lines. When we risk great and important things like our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, the trust of our friends, or a good job for a momentary and fleeting pleasure, we're committing the foolishness of Esau. Well, let's read our chapter, and as we do, think about how it is we can look to Jesus. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. And your suffering is discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness." No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many, and make sure there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthrate in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they cannot bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn, whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, To the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not reject the one who speaks, for if they did not escape when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Well, here's our verse of the day, very beginning of Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud, of, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. How can we keep or fix our eyes on Jesus when we can't see him? And make no mistake, it's not the normal experience of the Christian life to be able to see Jesus. And Jesus himself seems to point to that future reality in John 20:21, when Jesus is talking to Thomas and says, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Well, I'm among that number. I've not seen Jesus personally. So what is the author of Hebrews telling us to do? How can we see Jesus? Well, I think there's at least two dimensions to how we can look to Jesus. Number one, we look to him in the word. This is the primary way we look to Jesus. We look to him in his teachings and his actions. We're told earlier in Hebrews 4.12 that God's word is living and active. And I'm not sure most of us have fully understood exactly what that means. I'm quite certain that it means that the words of the Bible are far different from the words of other books. When we read Tom Sawyer, we don't encounter Mark Twain, as I've said before, but only his imagination. Likewise, reading anything by Shakespeare, Milton, Dante, Lou Sheen, Steinbeck, Hemingway, or Alexander Solzhenitsyn. All of these brilliant writers and minds, but we don't actually interact with them when we read their books, because they're all dead. When we read the Word of God, however, we do encounter God and His living and active presence. I don't know exactly how that works, but 1 John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. Revelation 19 tells us that the name of Jesus is the Word of God. Well, what does all that mean? Again, I don't know for certain, but I believe these m- passages mean that we actually somehow, some way encountered Jesus in his word. Not merely his teachings or something about him, but he himself in the living and active word of God. I think we see this dynamic a little bit in John chapter 15, where initially Jesus is talking about his disciples abiding in him and he in them, but then he shifts in verse 7 and says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. The words of Jesus being in us seem to be very similar, even equal to Jesus himself being in us, which is fascinating. One other way that I think we can look to Jesus is we can take a passage like Revelation 19, Revelation 1, John 1, Or Philippians 2, all of which have strong descriptions of Jesus in them, and we can meditate on those descriptions in as deep a way as possible, picturing the person and character of Jesus. I'm not necessarily speaking of being mystical, but more about being meditative, completely guided by the Word of God. I believe that in those two ways, primarily the first, we can look to Jesus and receive great living and active strength and encouragement from Him to persevere. Well, let's close with our verse of the month for March, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Good day, friends, and Godspeed.